Oh, hi there. If you're a regular consumer of the CGOB Sports Show podcast, we're doing something a little different here. Because all week we've been talking to Sport Manitoba's coaching award winners. And I wanted to share all those conversations with you right here in this one podcast. So there are four memorial awards, two coaches in each category. We're going to hear from all of them on this episode. And we'll start with the fundamentals, and that's the Vince Lee Memorial Award. We'll begin with Lindsay Enns, who coaches a bunch of sports in the Island Lakes area. And then my chat with O'Neill White, who coaches flag football down in Waverly Heights. I grew up playing sports. My parents were very, both my mom and dad were very involved, um, either as coaches or volunteering as managers for my teams. Uh, my mom was always the convener for the, our community club. So it was always instilled in me the importance of volunteering. Sports always had a really important, played a really important part of my life growing up. Um, just so I think that's that's why I wanted to get involved. I I understand the importance of, you know, being active and, you know, making new friends, the social aspect of sport, the how, you know, the skills you learn in sport can, you know, move on towards towards life in general, like work, like the work ethic and, and determination and all those sort of things. So I think that's why, you know, and then I grew up and I had kids and this is, these are traits my husband and I both wanted to instill in our kids, right, was the importance of playing and learning new skills and making new friends and, you know, working hard for a common goal or working as a team and stuff like that. So I think kind of that's the long answer of why I got involved. And you also coach a number of sports. It says here volleyball, soccer, ringette, hockey. Is there any overlap between those? Um, there was volleyball and ringette had overlap and sometimes soccer. So it kind of depended on the age my girls were at and what sports they were playing at a certain time. So my youngest daughters, they started with hockey and then one moved into ringette and then they both played soccer. So my husband would coach my oldest daughter and then I would do my youngest or we'd swap. Um, and then volleyball, I started when my daughters started playing um, at Island Lakes Community School because they didn't have a coach in grade seven. So the phys ed teacher knew that I had coached. So she reached out to me and said, you know, the, there's no coach for the grade seven girls volleyball team. Would you be willing to do it? So they were accommodating because I also work full time. So, um, but I, I guess I'm that person that would never let a team not play because they don't have a coach. Right. So um, that would just be, to me, just devastating if kids couldn't play because just because they didn't have someone to volunteer their time. So, yeah. How has the the last year impacted your life and the athletic community that you're a part of because of the pandemic? Um, you know, it's been so unfortunate. I know for for coaches, a lot more work involved for those. You know, when there was still some allowances, right on the different protocols, you know, for soccer, you had to sterilize all the soccer balls after practice or softball, you know, you could only be, you have one team had to use the same ball. And when a ball went out of bounds, you know, fans weren't allowed to get the foul ball, which is stuff, you know, that you love about sport, right? All the kids running for the foul ball and stuff like that. So while there was impact in that way, I think 
with coaches and a lot more duties involved. I think um, it was unfortunate more and the most for the kids. Um, just there's the lack of interaction, right? Because you have to be six feet apart and everyone's wearing a face mask. And like right now, my daughter just finished playing hockey, but they had to split their team in two on the ice and you couldn't go near you know, the other group that was on the ice, only one coach had to be in each group. So it's just really unfortunate that a lot of the social aspect of sport was, you know, impacted. And, and, you know, I know that kids thrive with competition too, right? So, and games couldn't be played, so you could just practice. So I think one of probably the main things that struggled was trying to keep kids engaged, right? So, um, I think from what I've seen, coaches have done a phenomenal job with kids and with all these changes. And, um, yeah, I just, I really hope we see some more positive changes soon so that, you know, kids can get back on the pitch and on the ice and competing and socializing and all those things that really help, help them grow, I think, into great human beings. Absolutely. Now, you coach a number of different sports do you feel like there's a benefit to kids playing uh, in multiple sports, not just specializing in one? Absolutely. I just, I find it unfortunate. Like, as I find, you know, so I'm 42. So when I grew up, kids played everything, right? There was no specialization. There was no, like, spring sports. There was no, like, no spring hockey or club volleyball or stuff like that. You played high school volleyball and you played high school ringette or basketball, right? You played all the sports. And I just think when you can play all these different sports that have all different kinds of skills that it develops you into an all around better athlete and just gives you more experiences in life as a, you know, as a young kid. And, and then, you know, when you get older where like friends of mine will go, like I, I joined a, hockey league two years ago at 39 years old right because I grew up playing a little bit of hockey and I grew up playing ringette right and then I joined a ringette league like so I think part of that is for kids to grow up to be athletes forever right so when you're older you can still play like when your friends want to go and play slow pitch you can go and play and just having you know a little bit of everything I think is important for kids Finally, uh, what does it mean to you, Lindsay, to be honored today with the uh, Vince Lee Fundamentals Coaching Award from Sport Manitoba? You know what? I was extremely humbled to be nominated by the individuals who nominated me. And, like, there was so many great candidates, and there's just so many good coaches out there that would be deserving of this award. Um, I'm not the type of person who likes to be recognized. I just volunteer and do it because I enjoy it. And I hope I have a positive impact on athletes as they grow up and as they're learning sport. And, um, but I, I'm very appreciative and uh, was very humbled when I got chosen. Well, congratulations again on this, Lindsay. Thanks for your time tonight. And uh, hopefully there's a much more sports to coach for the kids coming up soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Christian. All means a lot. Uh, since I've started uh, coaching, it's my first award, so very pleased to to have it <laughs> and be recognized for all the stuff that I've been been doing. So, when did you get started in coaching? 
Uh, so I would say, with the exception of COVID, uh, it's been eight years. And why did you want to get started? Um, just watching my son, tired of watching my oldest uh, play football, and I couldn't really be involved. The time didn't work out with my schedule and, and whatnot, so um, it just it started to, and then uh, got into it and just fell in love with coaching. <laughs> and flag football specifically, what is it about that sport that you're drawn to? Um, to be honest, the flag is what I saw was a, a good gateway to tackle. Um, my oldest uh, played three years prior to me um, coming in uh, with flag. And, you know, I, I saw the, the need or I saw the, the draw for football in general uh, to tackle. So I would use that as a segue. And then I just started to coach them with in, in tackle. Okay. And uh, what's been the, I guess your biggest learning curve getting into coaching, anything that was a real challenge to get used to? <laughs> the learning curve. Well, seeing that my background was every other sport <laughs> that I did, uh, the learning curve was just finding out what you needed to really do, I guess. Um, getting yourself organized and whatnot. I, I, I'm usually just, uh, I go and I play the sport, but now I got to coach it. So I got to break it down into little bits and pieces for, you know, the certain age uh, that I would coach. Um, and then just have to manage the parents. Uh, but for the most part, I, I think I've had the, uh, a very good group around me to help me um, in flag and tackle. And how important is that support? Because you're not just out there on your own. Well, without it, let's say I wouldn't be coaching. <laughs> Definitely is uh, it's a big part of uh, why I continue to, to do it and why I'm, as far as I know, my, my team's just uh, keeps coming back and keeps requesting for me or me to, uh, to coach their team and their kids. And it's, it's branching me off... Uh, to other other things uh, within the, the coaching area like uh, basketball um, and just you know uh, speed training um, some some of the kids that I, I coach they just need some help with learning how to run for example and you know I'll do stuff like that on the side um, but yeah <laughs> well that would be I guess in the fundamentals category which is the category in which you won why is it important not just to win but to develop kids as athletes but also as people too oh well let's see um for me for me it's very important because uh i'm all about uh, the biggest biggest thing for me is uh respect um and i think no matter what sport you're playing that that goes a long way um with everything that's going on these kids have to be taught somewhere along the way about respect and for me in 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 flag football in in tackle that's all i'm preaching to them if they don't respect me you know or their teammates it's not going to be a fun environment for for all involved and what is the uh, ages of the kids you're coaching uh currently yeah uh currently uh we are U10. 
so uh, nine and ten year olds. So a lot of energy. Yes, yes. It's this this group like again been lucky because uh, been fortunate to have the same group of kids. Uh, when flag football uh, was just a springtime, and then they added a winter league, so the the same group of kids kind of stayed with me throughout. Um, so same parents. Um, so yeah, yeah. And how tough has the last year been? athletically for kids in your age group or has what what have you seen the impact of COVID to be um oh man that's that's uh that's a weird one for me um that one I think it's taken a toll more on me than the kids (laughs) to not not be able to see them and 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 coach them and you know that, that whole year um especially with this group of kids that um they're almost, uh, I guess, the preteens in the following year. So missing out on that one year of sports um, and just being around their friends on a regular basis, learning new things for that next level, I, I feel like that just set them back. Um, and I'm playing catch up at the moment. And so you just sit and wait for things to clear up, or are you gonna are you able to place flag in the spring here because it's outdoors? Um, so right now we actually have uh, our league that is starting, um, I believe, the beginning of May for spring, uh, barring no other uh, restrictions. So um, Football Manitoba has done a great job, I guess, getting everything set up on short notice and being able, like last year, we were able to finish just before it got too too crazy um, and with still some minimum uh, restrictions. Uh, right now we are... My team is holding some practices and, you know, we're uh, watching our numbers, you know, parents drop them off. They're with me and, and we, we practice, we go to it. I told them I'm a kind of coach that as soon as the uh, grass is green and I, I can see uh, no snow on the ground, I'm, I'm outside. I want to be outside with them. So <laughs> must've felt good to get back at it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, O'Neill, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. And congratulations again on the award. All right, thank you very much. Next up, the Dr. Jack Hunt Memorial Award in the Learn to Train category. We have two coaching mainstays in their respective areas of expertise. First, Tanya Pilot, figure skating, and then Dave Lipchin, triathlon. Uh, well, it's a very much unexpected surprise. Um, happy surprise, I guess. And uh, yeah, I'm always thrilled when the sport of figure skating is recognized in any capacity and uh, any part I can play in that as a coach, I'm happy to do so. Obviously, you didn't get into the coaching realm for the awards. What inspired you to start coaching in the first place? Um, Well, um, as a skater, I recognized sort of my, um, the direction I wanted to take my career um, at an earlier age. So when I was around 14, I, I decided to start pursuing coaching and um, obviously I'd been volunteering within our club um, with our Canscape program at that point and um, you know as soon as I turned 16 and was able to take my first coaching course I did and uh, growing up in a small town um, I was able to start coaching right away um, in that capacity and uh, just continued on from there it's always been a passion of mine and so it's been um, nice to be able to pursue that um, as an adult as well. How do you think you've changed as a coach in your almost three decades as a certified coach? 
Oh, so much has changed. So the sport in general, um, you know, there's constant changes within the sport. Um, obviously, the judging system changed after Salt Lake Olympics. And uh, so just having to keep up and adapt with that. Um, there's been a lot of changes with just how we train our athletes, um, which has been uh, really positive. Um, so working with, you know, better strength and conditioning, um, having a more well-rounded athlete, a multi-sport athlete, um, all of those things, it's been great to see the encouragement of of that side of sport um, and also the mental health aspects um, in the sport that has been something that's been um, taken a lot more seriously lately and uh, and definitely moving in the right direction um, for that and the inclusion aspect of sport has been um, really developing um, in the last decade for sure and it's been uh, great to see how um, we've been trying to be more inclusive as a sport. As far as multi-sport athletes and figure skating go, what are are there any other sports specifically that you feel translates to benefit on the ice rink? Uh, there's so many. Um, probably the biggest one would be, uh, you know, track or cross country. Um, any type of um, activity that uh, continues to encourage the cardiovascular, um, a lot of endurance. So even though a lot of our skaters, their programs are, you know, say three and a half minutes, uh, four minutes maximum, um, you know, you want to make sure that you are able to uh, breathe through all of that while performing and, and looking great on the ice and graceful as well. So um, that one's great. Um, soccer is really good, too, just for keeping up with the fast footwork, um, you know, that kind of thing, and balance and coordination skills as well. So there's so many sports that translate really well um, with figure skating. So we, we like to encourage our athletes to participate um, in a few of those throughout the year just to uh, continue to balance their lives. Describe the figure skating community in East St. Paul. In East St. Paul? Um, well, it's a small town feel uh, close to the city, which I like. Um, having grown up in a small town is great um, to, you know, to be able to be surrounded by community. Um, we've had a lot of wonderful support from the community center. Um, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the parents are volunteering. Um, they're getting really active with what their kids are doing. Um, I just wish we had more ice <laughs> at the arena there for figure skating, but we have a couple days a week that our athletes can train and uh, and always feel welcome when we walk in that building. And we've really tried to create that welcome environment for anyone who comes and trains with us as well. Is it also a fairly tight-knit community across the province? Uh, the sport of figure skating definitely is. Um, everyone sort of knows everyone, um, especially in the coaching world. Um so it's one of those things that we're really trying to grow this sport. Um, it's been difficult having to compete with other uh, sports out there, and obviously with this past year and the arenas being shut down, um, I think every sport is sort of struggling to keep their membership and keep the engagement of their athletes. But, um, yeah, the figure skating world is definitely a small one in Manitoba for sure. And I guess for your sport then, we're hopefully going to have some kind of normal-ish uh, sports scene for, for kids by the summer for figure skating then it's going to be a long wait i guess till you can really get back into the normal swing of things uh well we're swinging right now um i've been able to secure some ice for my athletes and some of the clubs have been able to um to get back up and running um you know even in a short-term capacity with some of the city rinks um, opening up so one of the other rinks that i i skate at and the clubs i skate with um, is century skating club so um, they've been able to uh, get their regular ice times back from the city for this month for sure. Um, and then just picking up a few um, straggling pieces of ice here and there to keep my athletes on the ice. So we'll be continuing right through till June. And then I, uh, 
run a summer skating program with East St. Paul Skating Club out of Seven Oaks Arena. And so we'll be starting that um, in July and part of August. So we have five weeks of summer skating where the skaters are on the ice every day and, uh, you know, really working to get themselves back into shape and ready for the next competition season. So there is a lot of skating still. Well, yeah, yeah. We've managed to secure quite a bit of ice um, for the skaters just to get back on. So even with all the restrictions and, and stuff, we've been navigating all of those changing protocols, but uh, the kids are just happy to be on the ice for sure. That's great. So if there was someone in your position that you were many years ago when you were a, a teenager first thinking about getting into coaching, your advice to a, a young person, not, not necessarily in figure skating, but any uh, sport, if they're thinking about coaching, what advice would you give them? Um, I would uh, definitely advise them to follow through with that passion if it's something that they're really interested in. Um, I'm kind of in that situation right now. My daughter is 16 and just took her first coaching course. Uh, one of my kids um, is anyways. My other daughter is already actively coaching uh, figure skating as well. But um, it's it's one of those things where um definitely want to encourage them to follow that passion, whether it's in figure skating or soccer or whatever. Um, start by getting involved with volunteerism. That's how all my athletes start off. You know, as soon as they get to a certain age and level, they definitely volunteer um, and get to know uh, the volunteering side of it, give back to the sport. And then um, if that's something that you want to continue to pursue, then, you know, following those those uh, routes and, um, you know, learning what, what it takes to, to get involved. So a lot of it's going through the National Coaching Certification Program. So for us as figure skaters, we all have to follow the NCCP uh, programs and um, and start with uh, with their coaching journey. And finally, why do you feel volunteering is important? Oh, so important. Um, it just teaches the kids the, the balance to, um, you know, working hard, giving back. Um, all of my children, all of my skaters, uh, they all grow up in a world of volunteerism, and um, I really encourage that for sure. Um, you, want, you get so much from the people who have been there before you, um, whether it's their parents or, you know, some other older um, athletes that are mentors to the younger ones. Um, they've been there for my skaters, so I definitely want my skaters to be there for the next generation coming up. Um, and the kids out there, when they start to volunteer in a program assistant capacity, um, they're now the little mentors to the, the skaters that are just starting off. So they're the ones that are being looked up to. And, um, and I think it's really important that, um, that all of my skaters give back in that capacity. So um, I do encourage all my athletes to volunteer within the club, you know, whether it's at an ice show or competitions, test days, definitely with our CanScape program. Um, they're all on the ice helping out the little ones for sure. Perfect, Tanya. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and congratulations again on this latest honor. Thanks so much, Christian. Uh, it was kind of like a, a nice little uh, light at the end of this long tunnel <laughs> for the last, uh, like, well, it's going to turn into two years now with uh, COVID stuff. So it was, uh, it was a nice little uh, a nice little shout out that uh, kind of came our way in the middle of uh, in the middle of this storm. So, uh, yeah, no, it was super exciting. Um, the other thing that's really neat is uh, you're getting recognized um, in a really like in a bigger pool than you would normally um, kind of be recognized. So instead of just uh, maybe the triathlon community, uh, this one is uh, all the sports. Um, are in in the pool on this one so to get recognized in that uh, is definitely uh, 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 a nice pat on the back anyway so what has the last 
let's say, 14 months been like here in the Manitoba triathlon community? Oh, it's been terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to, uh, I mean, just like everybody, you have to really think outside of the box on how you are going to approach um, any type of training like this, uh, especially uh, with all the restrictions. So uh, last year when things started falling apart fairly quickly, um, it was it was about a week before the uh, our our spring summer session starts anyway. So at first, just like everybody, you never really thought anything of it. Um, so the first couple of weeks were just like, okay, well, I guess we're going to get a little bit longer break between winter and spring. But other than that, we should be back in the game. Uh, and then a, very quickly, things uh, escalated to the point where we weren't coming back right away at all. And uh, so um, I basically converted my my in-person training to uh, online training in the sense at first it was uh, pretty Mickey Mouse compared to now. Um, but at first it was like every evening I'd be sending out the next day's workouts and uh, trying to get uh, the athletes to send in a picture of them going to do their run on their own so that I could keep the social media side of things going really well so that my athletes could actually, not just for everybody else, but my athletes could actually see their teammates um, working out as well, which would help kind of keep everybody's motivation up. And then, uh, um, we had to run that way until May or till the end of May actually. And then in June, when the restrictions lifted to, uh, you could train in groups of 10 outdoors, um, that helped. So all of a sudden I, I have my team, which is, uh, way more than 10, but we'd break up into groups of 10 and then, uh, everybody would get their workouts done. So that was nice that we were back outside together and that ran all the way until uh, September. And then in October, we moved to our winter, um, our fall winter session. And uh, I was kind of hesitant about booking a lot of uh, indoor facilities, kind of watching the trends now really closely on, on the news all the time, which is sometimes good, sometimes not good because uh, it kind of goes both ways. So um, anyway, I was watching that uh, it looked like we were moving in the wrong direction and fairly quickly again. Um, so we, uh, a couple of my athletes who were a little more tech savvy than I am, we, uh, we built, we got basically the whole team set up on, uh, on Zwift, which is a uh, online cycling uh, program. And it, uh, it's basically like a, a really really cool video game except your bike is is connected to it and you got to work really hard to keep your your bike going and and you're pretty much riding and and racing against all of your teammates and then of course anybody you um have around the world that is doing that as well so anyway so we had to change uh we had to change kind of the approach for our winter um we only actually got in the pool four times before they closed all the indoor facilities and uh, we ran with Zwift uh, three days a week as a team. So I'd have my uh, team on a messenger, uh, Facebook messenger kind of video chat. So I could see all the people and I could have up to 50 people on there at once. And, and then, of course, we'd have on my TV screen, I'd have my avatar with uh, all the stats of all the different athletes that I was uh, training at the same time. Um, anyway, so 
we uh, we made the best of it for the winter and we kind of got through that and uh just about i guess maybe it's been about five weeks now since we got the green light to uh, start training in groups outdoors again so we got a couple couple days of skiing in before that was completely done with the weather changing quickly and now we're back to uh running and biking uh outdoors april april is always kind of a roller coaster month anyway for outdoor training because uh could be really nice one day and then snow the next day so it'll be hit and miss but uh looks like through the summer hopefully things are okay uh unfortunately i also put on uh i put on the largest triathlon in the province i i own the riding mountain triathlon and it looks like uh with how things are moving we're gonna once again be uh put in a position where we're only going to be able to offer a virtual format um, we were the only uh, triathlon last year that uh, converted to a virtual format um, immediately and uh, and held hosted a, a race for uh, for 10 days last year and it worked out fairly well we usually have uh, lots of people like 500 uh, adults and 220 kids um, we changed it into the virtual format uh, I was able to get over a hundred so I think we had uh, 116 athletes uh, compete on a virtual um, platform but it's a lot more of a participation based uh, platform than it is uh, competition because you could go and run your race from your backyard and it might be from the top of a hill to the bottom of a hill and somebody else might be doing the exact opposite so nobody can really tell how fast you were or how slow you were <laughs> so anyway that's kind of kind of how we uh, did things last year and looks like for the majority of this summer, we're going to be in the same position. Uh, but I think probably by Christmas or so, things should probably ease fairly quickly once uh, once everybody kind of gets uh, their vaccinations and and uh, and some of the restrictions kind of come back down. So hopefully that's the trend, and uh, we'll be back in the game for 2022. I'm curious, you know, you've got this uh, technological way to do the biking and I guess you can have a treadmill to run, but how do you swim if the pools are closed? How do you work on that part of your triathlon technique? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, this year with the restrictions, um, we weren't able to get in the water. The last swim we had was pretty much, I think, October 25th. Uh, the pools have now opened, but the restrictions are so high that it's uh, financially uh, not worth jumping in the pool as a team. It's actually way cheaper to just show up as individuals and uh, and let people swim when they can. Um, and I'm not sure why the uh, pools haven't adjusted their rates based on how many people you're allowed in the in the lanes, but uh, it's the way it is right now. So anyway. Um, we will be able to get back into open water. So outdoors, uh, usually the last week of May, um, Birdsill Park is, uh, warm enough with a wetsuit, of course, to, uh, to start doing some swim training. And then of course, all summer we'll be in, in the lakes, uh, kind of all around Manitoba. So that, that'll be okay. But, uh, we lost, we lost, uh, six months of swimming. So it, uh, it means you get to focus though on, on uh more strength training um obviously you're biking and you're running so uh instead of kind of looking at it like oh we lost six months of swimming it's 
it doesn't really matter because you got a chance to uh, focus on the, the parts of your sport that you, you can do. So we are lucky that our sport isn't uh, one dedicated uh, activity. We have lots of parts to it. So if usually if one thing goes down, the other, the other parts are okay. And you're able to kind of shift your focus for a little bit. Um, so anyway, it will be a bit of a struggle to uh, get everyone back up to speed in the water, but, uh, uh, you know, you just got to go with the, the flow of things right now. And, uh, I'm, I'm certain, certain in, in a couple, uh, months we'll be, or sorry, probably, uh, next spring, we should be back to somewhat normal ish, whatever that works out to be. Uh, so that at least we're swimming in, in our, with our teammates again. Before I get, let you go, Dave, take me back to yeah. the start. Why triathlon? What, what drew you into the sport to begin with? Uh, this one's kind of neat. My, uh, one of my uh, best buddies, his, uh, we, we always played basketball together. I was, I was 15 and, uh, we were playing basketball, just, uh, just kids kind of street basketball outside all the time. And his mom had come outside and, and asked if I wanted to, uh, join them, uh, because he got, or he was entered into a kids of steel triathlon actually in Transcona and uh, they were going the following weekend and they asked if I wanted to go with them. Uh, so him and I had never done or even really heard of triathlon at the time. So this is back in 1992. And uh, anyway, uh, the two of us, the two of us went uh, one, two um, overall in the race. And uh, um, it was funny because triathlon's kind of this sport where you're either into it or you're not. And, uh, uh, he hated it and, uh, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And, uh, I never looked back. And then about five years later, I had phoned his mom. Um, I was already living in Calgary. I graduated from, uh, from high school already at that point. So I was, I guess about 20, 21, 22. And I had, uh, just called her to, it was like nine thirty at night and just uh, wanted to say thank you for, uh, taking me to my first triathlon race. And uh, so she was like, okay, that's, uh, you know, you're welcome, but it's, uh, how come you're calling me right now? And it was like, well, um, tomorrow morning, I leave for Switzerland for the world championships. That was kind of how I got into it. That was the origin story. <laughs> so, and here you are all, and, uh, all these years later, and you're still loving it. Yeah, well, it's totally my thing. I don't know why. It's, uh, you got to do lots of work. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, I, I love it. And uh uh, I'm I'm glad I'm able to to kind of do it as a as a job, which uh, is fairly unique. Um, you're not going to be you're not going to be uh, a millionaire out of it, but you're definitely going to enjoy what you do every day. So, um, so I wouldn't trade that for anything. Perfect. Well, Dave, on that note, appreciate your time. I'll let you go. Uh, thanks for this, and uh, congratulations again on this honor. Thank you very much. You take care. Moving on to the Janet Arnott Memorial Award in the Train to Train category. And two coaches that have dedicated a lot of time to Special Olympics in our province, Regan Croy and Ron Struish. I was a little, maybe surprised and, and pretty humbled by it, uh, honestly. It was, uh, you know, it just, it kind of came across my came across my way I didn't even know I was nominated for it uh, at first and then to get it to was just uh, next level 
So how long have you been coaching? Um, I've been coaching with Special Olympics for seven years now. Yeah, and then I just started coaching at the, I did my first coaching of uh, the provincial team was just last year. And why did you want to get involved? Um, I just kind of saw a need for it. Um, we had a club going in my in my area, and they needed some volunteers and coaches. And at the time, um, I was a track athlete myself, so it seemed like a no-brainer to try to go and help out a club. Um, and then I absolutely just fell in love with coaching and moved my way up from a volunteer to an assistant coach to the head coach and then and then to a provincial coach. <laughs> Climbing the ladder. So what is been the most rewarding part of coaching for you? Oh, great question. I think it's the most rewarding part of coaching for me is just when I see the athletes get their goals, whatever that is. Um, like it's not all about winning or going to competition because for some athletes it's more just about about training or about friendships or communities. So whatever it is that they want to get out of it, if I can help them get there, um, that, that's everything. So that, that's always so rewarding. And working with Special Olympics, what has that experience taught you? Um, it's taught me really the value of community um, and how important that is. And then I think, so tying it with sport just makes, makes perfect sense because sport is community too. So yeah. Uh, and just also how incredibly important volunteers are kind of in, inside of that community part too. Like it's, it's a whole team effort in order to get uh, like training happening to order to get competitions, like just that whole aspect. Um, yeah. Special has taught me a lot in that. So what specific activities are you in tasked with coaching? Yeah. So I coach, um, I'm the head coach of the inner Lake athletics team, which is in, uh, Selkirk, so that we do uh, like anything track and field as well as snowshoeing. Um, so that's what I've coached with. Uh, I did a little stint of coaching swimming, but mainly it's just been the the track and field and the snowshoe. And then I coached um, when I was on when I was coaching the provincial team that was uh, snowshoe. Most people they may have done it in gym class at some point, but most people haven't probably snowshoed. So when you're coaching snowshoeing, what are you teaching people? Yeah, honestly, you know, it's funny, when we're coaching snowshoeing, like a big part of it is actually teaching the athletes how to fall and how to get back up, because in case that happens in a race, um, and, you know, just because you have, like, way bigger feet than you're used to, like how to navigate standing up as fast as you can, um, so you can complete your race if you trip, um, and it's also just a lot of um, technique, it's very similar to track in, in the running technique side, but it's also a bit more breathing technique so that you can be uh, like as efficient as you need to in cold air, and then also just like dressing. Like, what are the appropriate layers? What do you actually want to be wearing to to be as efficient as you can when you're racing? Forgive my ignorance about snowshoeing, but how fast can you go on snowshoes? <laughs> no worries. Uh, you can go pretty quick. Um, like, you're not going to be as fast as when you're on a track. But yeah, that, that's a good question. It depends what race you're, you're doing. But I think I think a lot of people are surprised when they come out to a snowshoe competition and they see how quick athletes can give her <laughs> on their snowshoes because um, if you have the right size snowshoes and you're wearing the right gear you can you can get some some quick speeds especially because when we when we race it um, we'll always pack down the track um, so we have this one guy will come and he'll pack down the snow for us so you know you have a pretty hard flat surface that you can you can sprint pretty quick on and what kind of distance are you covering in a snowshoe race is it a sprint or is it more like a cross-country thing 
Um, it can be either. So we, it's very, it parallels, uh, like track and field pretty closely, except without the field, obviously, but, um, we'll have, we'll have 25 meter and 50 meter sprints, but those are mostly for people who are learning how to snowshoe properly. Um, and then maybe the more competitive races will be, we have 100, a 200 meter, 400 meter, 800 meter, 1600 meter, and then we have a 3k and a 5k. Oh, okay. Those are yeah. some tracks for sure. Do you find some yeah. valuable overlap in terms of the skill sets going from the track to, to snowshoeing? Do you find that doing one helps the athletes that do both? Yeah, for sure. There's, it, it definitely is. Um, I find, uh, like a lot of the times when I'm, when I'm coaching track, I'm trying to get athletes to have a good turnover. So that's just like the speed that they can get their legs to like to hit the ground and then to come back again before they hit the ground. I want that to be nice and quick if you're doing, if you're training sprints. And I find when I'm training them with snowshoeing, um, it really helps them to get the techniques of getting their knees up higher because they're, they're, they're very sure that there's something on their foot, right? That's like you have to get kind of over um, or you, you just feel like you have to pick up your feet higher. So I find that gait pattern that I'll get or that stride pattern that I'll get for, from them in snowshoe really helps them when we start working a bit more on turnover, um, like that drive phase when we're in, when we're in track and field. So yeah, it, they're good. It's good. Like, I, I guess I can't really say cross training cause it's very similar, but it's a really great way for the athletes to stay active, you know, the whole year round right. to, to kind of keep that form. That's, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I've, I, I must admit, I think I, I think I've snowshoed once and it was in high school and it was very, very difficult. So I imagine right. it's very, very intense training can go into this. Yeah, it definitely can. Yeah. Cause then I think a lot of people, when you think of snowshoeing, you'll think of, Oh, it's really deep snow. So I got to have my snowshoes and I'll go for like a nice walk. Right. But we take it to the next level of being like, Hey, how can we make this competitive? How can we go as fast as we can? <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, a question about what the last year has been like, right? You mentioned staying in shape the whole year round. It's been a year now, really, since the pandemic uh, has been over us. What kind of impact has it had on the communities you're involved with athletically? Yeah, it's had a huge impact. Like COVID has had a huge impact on, on the communities I'm with because uh, just with restrictions, so some of my athletes will live in group homes and some of the restrictions, even when um, the restrictions were saying we could be in groups or we could gather outdoors, some of the group homes would say you can't. So then some of the athletes couldn't come and train because they couldn't leave their group home. Um, so that was a barrier for a lot of athletes. And then um, I think just as well, when we got into our code orange or red, which we've now been in for a while, um, we can't be training like just special Olympics, protocols is that we we can't be training in person we can still do virtual for sure so it's just like anybody else I think a lot of training has now moved to being virtual or to being quite independent and not so much the team-based stuff um so yeah that's been impacted um I'm very thankful for uh, the Special Olympics Manitoba head office because they've they've put on some virtual programming to try to keep all of our athletes engaged because they know the barriers of um trying to access sport right now so that that's been that's been a great way for my athletes to still kind of stay connected online with each other. I was talking to Ron Struish earlier in the week, involved with the Special Olympics as well, and it, it he mentioned how important community is to Special Olympics, and not really having that has been tough over the last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you got to speak with Ron. He's a wonderful coach, and he was also um, 
he also was got this award, so that that's awesome. But yeah, it, yeah, it has been tough for sure. The community aspect has been has been really tough for for athletes, coaches, volunteers alike. Well, Regan, congratulations again on this honor. Thanks for taking time to talk to me today, and uh, best of luck with everything you're doing going forward. Yeah, thanks so much, Christian. I appreciate you reaching out. Well, um, I, I've been coaching alpine skiing with um, Manitoba Alpine for about 22 years and with Special Olympics uh, for 18 years. Um, and I did do uh, considerable coaching in my teaching career. I, I was a teacher for 35 years, and I, I did coach almost every year something in the school program. And why is coaching important to you? Uh, it's it, it's important because I I just love to see like the um, the students and the athletes uh, learning. I like to see them uh, achieving something that they are trying to do, um, especially in this ski program uh, with my athletes in Special Olympics. I've um, I've started some of the athletes off. Uh, never skied before, and they've learned to ski, and and uh, it's just it's good for their health, and it's good for their physical being, and definitely, I just love to see them enjoying themselves and having fun. Now, when people think Manitoba, alpine skiing is not the first sport that pops to mind, is it? No, it isn't. That's for sure. So, how did you get involved in that sport specifically here? Well, you know. Um, because when I grew up, um, I grew up in Flin Flon, and uh, my family was all part of the local ski club there. And uh, we, uh, I learned to ski there when my father uh, taught us. And uh, then when coming to Winnipeg, how did I get involved? I just, uh, I, I wanted to ski again. And um, I took several trips with my children, my children out to the mountains to ski and then particularly uh, to get into uh, more skiing I thought well after I retired from teaching that I would uh, like to give a lot of my energy and my skill and knowledge to teaching uh, young people to ski it's good for them it's a good it's a good hobby uh, for some it's a challenging hobby but it's also, you know, something that they can use uh, the rest of their life if they, whether they go to the mountains. And as you said, right here on the, in Winnipeg on the prairies, uh, we, uh, we've, we've got some good opportunity to learn to ski, even on the Spring Hill at the floodway. And how did you get involved in Special Olympics? Um, well, when I, uh, after I retired from teaching... Uh, and I was beginning. I had be. I had started to coach with a, an alpine racing club uh, here in the city. Um, I, I always saw the Special Olympic group training out at Spring Hill, and then um, I heard from a rumor that they required a, a new coach for Special Olympics, and I thought. I've got lots of time. I'm retired, and I want to keep skiing as much as I can. So I, I uh, phoned them and offered my, you know, my services to coach. And uh, 
So in 2003, uh, I started uh, coaching with the 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 several athletes that were in the Special Olympic Ski Club, and it's just been going from there. More, more and more fun, and more and more athletes. What's that experience been like being involved with Special Olympics? Um, it, the, I guess I would say I'm just I'm so happy to see like the the athletes that we have. Uh, some of them with, you know, various intellectual disabilities, but challenging themselves and, you know, and uh, uh, learning to ski. And um, as I said earlier, there, you know, there's not one of the athletes that has come out to join our Special Olympic Ski Club that has uh, gone away from the program not having learned to ski and have had a few years of fun. And then the social part of it, like with our athletes, is is a big part of this as well. Christian, I, uh, you know, they just love to get together and uh, and to ski. And then when when we uh, when we can't be out skiing in the off season, uh, we get together. Um, not this last year, of course, but we do dry land training. We you, we for many years we've had uses of school gyms, and then sometimes in the fall we get together outside in a park. So it's just it's really rewarding. I'm I'm just so very proud of my athletes, and uh, you know very happy uh, with their accomplishments. So has the last year been tough then, not being able to to gather and experience that community? It it really has been yes. Um, we haven't been able to do anything to, you know, to be together. Uh, so what we've done uh, with Special Olympics uh, Manitoba, they have put, set up many, many programs that the athletes can do virtually, and they've set up the option opportunity for any coach to set up Zoom meetings with their club and uh, we've had several meetings together just to talk and to say hi to one another because that's what they miss, like not seeing one another. And then there's all kinds of of, of um, exercise, strength and conditioning programs that uh, Special Olympic Manitoba, uh, the staff have really, really put, you know, a lot together. So the, the athletes can join in any of those um, uh, and almost uh, any day of the week, uh, uh, and starting actually Monday of this last this week, uh, for ten weeks, there's a series that they can they can do something, join in a program uh, almost every day, and it includes just a social hour, or a virtual quiz night, or um, a dance party. Uh, yoga, Zumba. There's lots that they can they can do, but and it's been difficult for some of them to even maybe get on this. But we've tried to connect and link every athlete so that they they can get on, you know, to to a Zoom meeting with uh, with some activity on Special Olympics. Finally, Ron, what does it mean to you to uh, receive this latest award from Sport Manitoba? Um, yes, I'm very. This this reward is, you know, very. Very. I'm honored to receive it. It's 
and you know when I have you know read back about um, Janet Arnott and her contribution to coaching uh, uh, with with curling, her participation in curling, and then her coaching in curling, like with with Jennifer Jones curling rink for many years, and 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 the accomplishment that uh, you know that she did, and uh, sort of the example that is is also out there for coaches, um, and this award being you know particularly coaching at the uh, national level. I'm I'm really uh, honored, but I'm also proud to have taken athletes from Special Olympics to Canada Games. Uh, last year, 2020, was my fifth opportunity. I took athletes to uh, Special Olympic Canada Games. So, so yes, I, I'm very, uh, very pleased to have, you know, received this and and to the recognition that the award, um, you know, signifies uh, 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 from what Janet Arnett had done over the years. Ron, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this conversation, and uh, congratulations again on your honor here. Yeah, thank you very much, Christian. I, I appreciate you reaching out like this. Now it's time to train to win. That's the final category, the Peter Williamson Memorial Award. You'll hear my conversation with volleyball coach Jamie Menzies, who was also named the Manitoba Indigenous Female Coach of the Decade, and Sheldon Zacharias, curling coach from Altona. I'm 35, and I think I started coaching around 16. Um, I went to Neelan High School in Brandon, and they ran a program there called the Mini Spartans, which were essentially, it was essentially... Um, high school students running camps for aged six through nine-year-olds, that kind of idea. Um, and the high school students were all assistant coaches to more experienced coaches. So that kind of got my feet wet in a comfortable environment surrounded by my friends and working with a young audience. And that was kind of my first experience and I haven't turned back since. So you're still obviously playing at that time. What, what hooked you on coaching? Um, I'm, I really, I'm an extroverted person and I really, um, am, am energized by being around people and, um, especially being, doing activities with people that I love. So volleyball and basketball were two things that I loved in high school and, uh, getting to be around young people and my peers while doing it was, I didn't see any disadvantages to that. And how much fun do you have coaching? Uh, I do really love it. Um, I say to anyone that asks, I firmly believe coaching benefits me more than it benefits my athletes. I hope that there's a mutual benefit, but um, yeah, I have a blast. I mean, I get to watch people having fun. Uh, I get to be a part of that fun. I get to be part of growth and development. Um, I get to meet new people and, as I age, I learn that I learn how important it is to be around people of different ages than you. And as a coach, you get to be around young, energized, hopeful, inspirational youngins. But you know, they teach me new things every day. 
Now, when you were playing volleyball at a high level, were you thinking at that time that you wanted to keep on with it after you were done playing in a coaching role? Um, I hadn't set goals for myself in my early adulthood like that. Um, at the time, it was a fun way to either make an income or just stay busy in my free time. Um, I don't know, I come from a family where volunteering and being involved in community is really important. So I never really saw an, volunteering was never really an option. It was just kind of assumed. So, um, yeah, I didn't set goals early in my adulthood, but like I said, it just kind of was organic and easy and fun. So why not? And what have you learned about yourself in the course of your coaching career? Oh boy. Um, that's a huge question. Um, I've learned that I am a better version of myself when I'm held accountable by, you know, people that I respect and care about. And oftentimes that those people are my athletes. Um, when I am coaching a team that I respect and care for, um, I want to be better for them, to be a good role model for them. So I live the best version of my life when I am held accountable. Um, and what else? I've learned that I reap benefits from social energy and um, I love being on my feet and active with people. Today, you're named uh, not just a, an award winner for train to compete slash win, but also a, a huge honor that you were named the Manitoba Indigenous Female Coach of the Decade. What does that mean to you? Yeah, um, so the Indigenous Award is meaningful to me on a bit of a deeper level. Um, indigenous, the Indigenous ways of knowing really incorporate like a holistic model to everything you do. And I really, I really um, value the, the holistic model of living and coaching and playing sport and interacting with others. So when an Indigenous organization gives me an award, I know that they took all that into account so it's really an honor to know that they see that I emulate those holistic values and how has that background informed the way you coach um yeah that's a really good question um that's been a journey for me um I would say initially when I engaged in sport and coaching in indigenous communities it was definitely me who was learning from my athletes and the community that I was visiting and the people I was interacting with um I was the one reaping the benefits I was the one being coached in a sense um so being involved in the indigenous sport world has informed not only how I coach any youth whether they're indigenous or non-indigenous but it's also informed how I just interact with people and like walk through this life it's um my coaching philosophy has become my life philosophy through an indigenous lens and i can't say that i follow that perfectly to a t but i certainly try to implement indigenous ways of knowing in in all contexts now you were involved with the canada summer games in winnipeg in 2017 right correct i was at that gold medal game is, is that one of the most fun experiences you've ever been a part of? Oh my goodness, was it ever? Um, 
I don't think any of us coaches or any of those athletes have ever or will ever be in a more exciting environment with a better result. So, yeah, I mean, I've played in front of audiences and coached in front of audiences. Um, but first of all, we were the underdog team. And then to, you know, upset a team in the quarters, then upset a team in the semis, then upset a team in the finals in front of our home crowd that was packed wall to wall to ceiling, like standing room only. That was, that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. Yeah, it was so loud. I, I just, it made me, that, that and, may have been the highlight I think of the entire games for me because it's a sport that we know in Manitoba it we're pretty good at but just to see the mm -hmm. outpouring of support and that building packed and loud for the Manitobans was was so cool it was really nice I I was impressed by people's effort to get out even though they had to wait in line to get in and uh I was really proud of my athletes for not succumbing to the pressure, but to like rise, but they rose to the occasion and, and just did what they had to do. And they supported each other. It was just um, a perfect, a perfect storm. It was so great. Jamie, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. And congratulations on your honors here. Thanks so much. Uh, it's cool. I feel quite honored actually. Um, I was honored just to be nominated um, and to be selected as the recipient. Um, very humbling. Very, very humbling. Now, you've been a part of some championship teams over the last couple of years with the success of your daughters on the curling scene. What what part uh, do you have in their success as a coach? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I feel like my main role um, on this team, and these athletes, they're all elite athletes. Um, I've seen them grow from, from little rocks all the way now to, to world champions, but I find my role on the team is to remove blockers, really to to help with the logistics and to help remove blockers to let them curl and, and do you know what they do best. And so I think that's probably the the biggest asset that I bring to the team today is just allowing them taking all of the logistics out of the way and just letting them focus on their athletics. And have you been coaching them basically from the start of their curling careers? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting history. Um, we're from a small community. Um, I started curling. I got introduced to curling actually through my father-in-law, um, Ken Penner, at uh, around the age of 20 when we, my wife and I moved back to Altona. Um, when our kids were born, you know, we got them involved at, in the Little Rockers program at around the age of five, um, and they needed coaches. They needed volunteers. So I stepped up, um, and my coaching just evolved as the kids got older. They they needed the, the coach at Little Rockers, and then when they got into some junior leagues, they needed a coach, so I stepped in. Um, and it's kind of just been a progression. I've kind of progressed my coaching skills and, and my training alongside them at the same time. So it's it's been a great, great process to go through. Um, and I've coached many athletes. My daughters have always sort of been the central part of the team, um, and that's kind of where I've been connected Um but yeah, it's been a great journey with them, and it's it's really neat to be able to have that, you know, come towards and, and build towards the world championship. What was it like in the Scotty's bubble in Calgary? It was interesting. Um, we've never been to a, a women's national. Uh, we've been to several junior nationals, so there was a lot of similarities. Um, 
but there was a lot of differences too. Just being in the presence of some of the curling greats uh, was was alone was was quite interesting. Like some of the other coaches there, I grew up watching these athletes curl and win world championships, and now I'm sitting at the coaching desk next to them. So for me, that was quite special, um, and for my athletes as well to be able to play against those teams at that caliber of play uh, was a great opportunity, great experience, um, and it certainly. Uh, made them want to go back. There's a drive now for the team to really, you know, take our our game to that next level and compete, you know, at a women's world's level. So we're excited to try to take that next chapter as a team. Well, I interviewed Mackenzie before the tournament, and it's obviously a situation where you don't want there to be a pandemic and we wouldn't need a bubble, Scotties, Briar, et cetera, but it allowed your team to get in right and get that valuable experience. And I guess that's part of sport. isn't it taking advantage of opportunities when they present themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The girls had a great season last year when we could still get on the ice, built up enough CTRS points to, to get themselves an opportunity to play in the Scotties. And yeah, you're right. They increased the field, which was, which was a great opportunity. And, you know, we never looked back. As soon as they offered it to us, we took advantage of it. And I think we've learned a lot just from that process. The, the athletes playing and, and myself coaching, um, you know, I took a lot away from that event. And uh, it's just a great opportunity, a stepping stone, you know, as we proceed forward. You mentioned how you stepped up a long time ago to to help out at the curling club. How important are volunteers to sport, especially in smaller towns like Altona? Yeah, it's critical. Um, sport wouldn't be able to happen in small communities without all the volunteers. And, you know, I've been involved as well with, with baseball in our community. And, you know, there's countless volunteers, um, coaches, you know, people that are prepping the diamonds, people that are prepping the ice at the curling club. There's, it's just not possible without all of these people. Um, you know, when I ran the junior program in Altona, um, it wasn't just me, right? We had a group of volunteers and there continues to be a huge group of volunteers that continue that program. And youth wouldn't have an opportunity in the sport without those people. So it's, uh, it's kind of the unsung hero right behind the scenes. Um, but it's, it's great to be part of, and it's really great to see those young athletes excel at something they love and enjoy. And, and, be able to to take advantage of that opportunity. So it's 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 really just great to be part of it. Any challenges with coaching your kids compared to coaching other people's kids? It it does certainly have a different dynamic to it. Um, you know, whenever I've coached my daughters on teams, it's obviously not just my daughters. It's it's a group of individuals, a group of athletes. Um, I've always tried to treat them as as athletes on the ice and a parent off the ice at home. So we, we've always kept that dynamic, and it's something that I learned to do early on, uh, and I think it's worked well. Um, there's a couple of unique dynamics on our team. One, there's a, two sisters, and then, of course, myself as their, as their dad coaching. Um, so they've had to manage that sister relationship on the ice, and I've had to manage that father relationship on the ice. Uh, but I think we've learned how to treat each other as athlete and coach on the ice, but a family at home, so and it's worked very well. Well, the results are definitely there, Sheldon. Appreciate your time on this today. Thanks for uh, talking to us. Congratulations again on the award and continued success going forward. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you liked what you heard, guess what? 
You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but